Welcome to the Leadership Lab podcast. This week, Jeremiah and Bianca Stingle are having a conversation about becoming an effective leader, as well as how to develop others into strong, confident leaders. Within the notes for this episode, you will find a discussion guide so you can listen with your leaders to spark dynamic growth within your team. Are you ready to grow your leadership? Let's join this conversation with Jeremiah and Bianca. Welcome to the Leadership Lab podcast, where we are developing the heart and soul of leaders. My name is Jeremiah. And I'm Bianca. And today we have a special guest joining us. Here today we have Michelle Van Loon. Welcome, Michelle. We are so excited to have you. I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation. Thanks for having me. Yes, we are excited to jump in. Michelle is a speaker. She's also an author of multiple books. And in this episode, we wanted to dive into her latest book, Becoming Sage, Cultivating Meaning, Purpose, and Spirituality for Midlife. And this book has been enlightening and eye-opening to some of the conditions of the church. And Michelle unfolds some of the realities of older generations leaving the church and how we can help change that. And so, Michelle, we want to let you kind of share here for a minute. So let me kind of frame this conversation with maybe a question to kind of get us started. For more than a decade, you've been writing and speaking about spiritual formation at Midlife and Beyond. Why do you feel so passionate about this topic? It started, I think, when I hit Midlife myself and was disoriented, lots of big changes going on in my life all at once, lots of losses and upheavals. And when I looked to people at church to kind of give me some guidance because I was feeling so disoriented and and confused about these changes, there was not a lot of information and I wasn't really sure where to go next. Discipleship had often been presented, in, at least in the churches that I've attended, in terms of let's cultivate faith for children, or here's how to help a new believer get started in their faith life, and that stuff is super important. But then the silence of what happens next means that the kind of the default setting is And then you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, hopefully maybe getting a little better at it, some of those basic spiritual disciplines like worship and prayer and service and study, Um, and you just keep doing that till you die. But the questions change as we get older, and we change as we get older. And so that my own experience and then hearing the same kinds of concerns echoed through many, many, many conversations I had with people in real life and online, um, kind of launched me into doing some study over the last decade on this topic. That's amazing. I I know that this is going to be so encouraging to so many people that might be in that same life experience. And so when you write in your book that midlife holds the invitation to becoming sage, what do you mean by that? This is kind of a way of living that has a lot to do with growing in wisdom as we get older, that we express our experience, our knowledge, our insight, our self-mastery in a way that it, it brings life to the people around us. It's not just about us, but it's about passing on the life that God has given us 
um, in wise and strategic ways and grounded in strategic ways. That's so good. So what are the significant and maybe unique realities surrounding discipleship at midlife in particular? Well, I think that we find as we hit midlife, a lot of big stuff happens. And we joke about the dude who goes out and buys a red Corvette or, you know, whatever, you know, that kind of um, the cultural ideas of midlife crisis. But I'm here to say that God has actually built into our lives a time of pruning and redirection that is intentional. Um, you can see it if you follow certain characters through scripture. I did that through the life of David in one of the chapters of the book to kind of say, you know, the, the guy that was a shepherd and singing in the fields to the sheep was very different than the old man who was full of hope and humility at waiting to meet Jesus at the end of his life, um, waiting to meet God, um, I should say. But um, we become sage as we, re we learn to respond to God in those times of loss, nest emptying, jobs changing. A lot of times we find that our roles in the church are changing, mm. you know, if, especially if we've attended a church that's very focused on families, you know, cultivating family life. Well, once the nest is empty, you may struggle to find your fit in the yeah. same way. It doesn't feel quite like home for a lot of people. It's not um, maybe that's the strongest reported statistic, we hear a lot about millennials exiting the church, Generation Z exiting the church as they come to young adulthood. But um, people way smarter than I who've done some of this research have found that people who are midlife and beyond are downshifting or leaving the church at the same rate and sometimes depending on who's doing the counting, um, at even higher rates than wow. the millennials that have gotten so much of the kind of focus. You know, we, we bring our hands because we want to see faith passed on. Yeah. But part of that is that we have to be a place that passes on faith and cultivates faith in every life stage. Yes. That, and that was what was so enlightening for us because we had not heard that feedback and those numbers and it's startling and you're so right. I mean, we, every generation should be represented within the church because the way God's designed it is that we need each other. And like you said, it needs to be passed down and you describe the, de the decrease of church involvement in older generations as or older adults as a quiet exodus. And what are some mm -hmm. of the contributing factors to this? Well, you can find, and really anyone who's listening, if you ask some older members, both who are in your church and um, maybe some people who used to be involved but aren't so present, and you ask them why, why that is, you're going to hear they're burned out from church politics and or toxic church culture. You're going to hear that they've, they're carrying increased caregiving responsibilities 
and they've become invisible as a result. If they're caring for aging parents or a, or a spouse that's had a stroke or grandchildren that need care, um, suddenly they're not there anymore, but they are a part of your local body, even if they're not physically showing up on Sunday mornings in the same way. And um, so that's, that's one thing. People's um, increased job responsibilities. You know, a lot of the t- things that happen as we hit midlife, where really things are reaching a career peak and families are changing, all of those things contribute in various measures to why people are opting out or drifting away. That is so good. And, you know, as, as pastors and, you know, what's really interesting as we kind of got to know you a little bit is that you've actually been to our church before. Tell us a little bit about your connection that you have with living water. Yes. It's, it's kind of amazing. I live now in Sarasota, Florida. And, um, so I see palm trees out my window, but I'm a native Chicagoan. I lived in the Chicago area, um, for almost, 60 years of my life and I was a visitor for uh, several years in a row to Living Water when um, an arts conference was held there. Your church was super hospitable and opened the doors to all of these dancers and writers and singers and people who just were trying to figure out how to um, bring their gifts to the church and the conference that was there was called Caritas. Mm. And um, so I was involved with the writing track actually at that time. And um, it was, I'm so grateful for that hospitality that, you know, that little nugget, I, I don't think it's been several years since I've been involved. So I'm not sure what the story is or where, where that conference is being held anymore, but, what I did notice about your church was a willingness to be hospitable to people who didn't necessarily fit in the standard, whatever the, whatever standard categories are. A lot of that is just our own feeling of like, I have to fit in. And I was, I was really grateful um, for that hospitality I sensed. And perhaps that's why um, some of the language of the book maybe struck a chord or had some resonance as well, because I think that might be part of your DNA. Man, that is so, that is so want. cool. And you're right. You, we do, you know, and Bianca and I've only been at the church for a very short period of time compared to the church's history. Mm-hmm. And so we do have a lot of rich, uh, warm, friendly people. And, you know, one of the challenges as lead pastors is getting the older generation to continue to build relationships and bridges with the younger generation because no one becomes a mature believer in Jesus by themselves. They, you need the community. You need other people. And so reading your book has been so refreshing because as pastors, we want to make sure that the older generation is being intentional to stay engaged and involved in the life of upcoming generations because the future disciples of the church are going to be made 
from the people who have been doing it for years. So if you felt that hospitality when you came to our church, that was because there were people there who were doing it. Now we need them to pass that on. Do you have any kind of idea of how, you know, we can continue to engage that next generation or the, the previous generation with this upcoming generation so that that cross-pollination, if you will, kind of takes place? Mm-hmm. I, that's, I, I, this is my favorite question. I love it so much. And I, I'm praying that more and more leaders begin asking that. Even as we're in a time of transition, as we're taping this, we're in the middle of um, coronavirus quarantine and shutdown. And this is a time when I think a lot is going to be reshuffled for all of us in the church, no matter where we live or what stream of the church we're in. And so this is, this is what I kind of want to include out there for people pray for the deepening of the ministry to those that are already committed to your congregation those people that are there they are valuable they are treasures and even if they're not involved the same way they're not signing up for all the programs the one thing that i say in my book more than in more than one place is this isn't a program this is about helping you just to think more broadly and ask better questions because in your community, your re- the resources you need are there, but it requires maybe jumping off the carousel and merry-go-round of programming, trying to program all the problems away. Um, pray for pray for those older members, those those legacy heritage members. Pray for those that aren't necessarily involved raise uh, elevate the ministry of caregivers and people that are out doing them the hard work of ministering to the least of these and involve in, engage in some self-evaluation about the focus of your ministry is everything being directed to raising up young families that's super valuable but that means that maybe there's a lot of other people that are being neglected um, or, you know, taken for granted and be willing to talk to the people that have drifted away and make it safe for them to tell you why. That's so good. That's so good. From your own experience, because I know that people, they, they're processing life, like just from your personal testimony of going through all the life changes, the stages were changing, and then it, it translates then into the church. It, speaking to just us as pastors, because we want to pastor well and we want to pastor all the needs, not just for certain age groups, but how could we process with people that are, there? you know, they're stepping into that empty nester, you know, their roles are changing, their life is changing. How can we as pastors... Uh, pastor them better and and help them process some of the emotions some I mean in some ways there's there's new seasons they're stepping into and some loss you know when you when you feel and like some law, every time every time that there is a change this is not my idea I cannot take credit for it but really transition is another word for grief and when I really grabbed onto that concept, it was like, of course, even happy transitions, you know, your family's expanding because a grandchild's being born or, or uh, 
one of your kids is getting married. It's still it's still a change, you know, and there there's a nostalgia, much less some of these other changes that come along, a prodigal child, a failed mm-hmm. business, you know, empty nesting in general, um, difficulties in relationships, marriages that don't necessarily make it through this transition. All of those things require somebody who's going to walk with you, older voices that can speak into them, you know, the people that are going through these changes, and an environment that makes it safe to say, it feels like I'm in the dark, where is God, Mm -hmm. without rushing in to try to fix it, but to journey with them, um, because it is, the loss is big at this time of life. And we haven't even touched on the physical, you know, the physical changes for women and men that happen. You know, there's just, there's so much change. And really, the church can be that place to be able to say, it's, you're not alone. You're not the only one. And we're with you. And we will walk with you. And um, we all need that. And that you will get mentors and you will get elders, you know, spiritual elders. I'm not talking about, you know, who's going to fill your board. I'm talking about the people who are, are the sage voices in your congregation that can disciple younger people because they've been cared for. And that is so, so good. This is an excellent book. Uh, we are just have been so blessed by just even getting a chance to really speak to you. And I know as church leaders, it's a great read, but also it's a great read if you're just a, a, a believer and, yeah. and you really want to, you know, really dive into the richness of, of everything good that God can do through generations being together, worshiping together. If you just had one just kind of final thought that you wanted to share with our listeners about this book and why the content in it is just helpful for everybody, what would you say to them? I would say that this is how we learn God's love. It's, it's when he's pruning us and when he is changing us that we see that it's, it's love that prunes us and it's love that continues to cultivate us so that we can bear fruit in every season of our lives, mm. not just at the end of the growing season, but every single season of our lives. That's, that's, supernatural and it's something that only God can do. Amen. That is so good. Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I I love that. And I know that God's just going to continue to use this book to further his kingdom. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today, Michelle. We've had such a great time. Hey, if you want to get this book, it's called Becoming Sage by Michelle Van Loon, and you can find it wherever you like to buy your books from. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. We hope that all of our listeners will continue to become sage, even as we get a little older. God bless.